Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Anna Lovind. Anna is a feminist writer who believes in women's creative freedom and the power of our voices and stories. She left a career as an editor at a major publishing house, moved to the deep forests of Sweden, and set out to build a business that supports her own and other women's pursuit of a meaningful and sustainable creative life. Since then, she has published her book, The Creative Doer, A Brave Woman's Guide from Dreaming to Doing. She has coached best-selling authors, helped launch solo entrepreneurs into orbit, and guided creatives from all over the world to go from dreaming to doing through her courses and workshops. And I am so excited to have you here today. Welcome, Anna. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. All right. Well, beautiful lady, I am very curious about your writing. So how long have you been writing? Is this something that started when you were a child? And when you did begin writing, were you always a feminist writer or was that something that evolved over time? Oh, this is a good question. I have always written for as long as I've known how. And I learned very early both to read and to write. I wouldn't say that my earliest writings were feminist, but they were, and this is something I've spoken about and written about in my book as well, that I came from a really dysfunctional family and there was sexual abuse happening and and all sorts of troubles. And my writing from the very start was my way of dealing with that. Uh, I wrote poems, you know, from the age of seven and eight, and and the adults around me were really curious about why they were so dark, you know. <laughs> Looking back, it makes perfect sense, but mm. but it wasn't visible then. It was just curious to to everyone why I was writing the way I was writing, and it remained that for me for a very long time. Both the reading and the writing, actually, it it was a way for me to stay sane. To have a world of my own that was safe, mm. and that was there. There was a way to express things that that I wasn't able to express elsewhere in my life. And mm. I don't think it was until my late teens, perhaps, that I started to explore the writing, not just as a survival tool, you know, but but also as Hmm. Expression as as creativity, and even later that I started to explore it as a way to actually connect with others, and even help others through what I was writing about. 
And so, so yes, I've always been writing. It's, it's like, it, for me, I'm autistic as well. And for me, writing has always been the only way for me to communicate unhindered. Mm. You know, where I feel like I can unleash the f- the fullness of me somehow mm. and, and where I can reach people, mm. where I'm understood. Beautiful. Well, I just want to reflect that for me, I also came from a dysfunctional family. And for me, reading was the escape. I didn't discover the writer in me until many years later, even though I wrote, it wasn't, you know, the way you describe it, where the writing was really for you to process a lot of the dysfunction that was going on. But definitely for me, reading was the place where I went to have my safe world of my Mm -hmm. own. And uh, I also like the distinctions that you just made about, you know, writing to survive versus writing for expression versus writing for connection. So I'd love to go a little bit deeper around when did you become inspired around the feminist framework? You know, was there a a turning point for you where you moved from this writing to survive to writing for expression to writing for connection where that connection to, to the feminist framework or the feminist uh, movement came for you? Yeah, it was in my teens, early teens, I'd say, that I I started to see, this was back in like late 90s, early, no, sorry, late 80s, <laughs> early 90s. <laughs> and feminism wasn't as much spoken of as it is today. But I became aware pretty soon that like the world is different for men and for women, for girls and for boys. That was laser clear for me. Like just from being in school, from watching uh, how men responded to me, I was considered pretty. And like from a very young age, adult grown men, you know, came, well, interacted with me in ways that are just like, they're not appropriate in any way, shape or form. And how our world as women and as girls is limited in so many ways. It's limited just in that very practical ways that we need to pay attention to uh, not walk home alone late at night and and what clothes we're wearing and and so on. You know, that, that very practical adjustments that we make often without even thinking, because it's so ingrained in our culture and in, in, in us as well. And I also noticed how, as a girl, you weren't allowed to take up as much space. It was being very smart was not necessarily a good thing. All these different things I noticed, like this is, we are not, it's not a level playing field. Mm. And it pissed me off very early. Mm. I don't think I had the language for it when I was like 12 or 13, but I was aware of it even then. Mm. And that became something that I bonded with other women, other girls over as well, that shared understanding and that anger about it Mm. and the will to change it as well. 
even though it, it took me a few years to like find a way to channel it into any kind of concrete action or into my writing and so on. But mm. the awareness was there and it has affected everything that I've done and worked with. It, mm. it's, it still does very much. It's the foundation of all my work. Really. Mm. Yeah. Well, again, we have a mirror. Every time I do these interviews, I'm like, oh, there's a little, another little part of me, another little part of me, another little part of me. And yeah. I, I too remember like at that moment of puberty where like now things are getting differentiated, but I felt that experience even long before that, because in my own family of origin that, you know, there was definitely preferential treatment or differential treatment, mm. both preferential and differential treatment for the the males in the family versus the females right. in the family. And for me, I did a lot of internalizing my anger, I think. You know, I, I feel like for me, I hated being female. Like I had my own internalized misogyny that I'm oh, probably yeah. still unpacking to this day. I, and I loved the phrase that you just put into the space about the adjustments that we make without even thinking the adjustments yeah. that we make without even thinking and especially you know hiding the smartness right mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why i have this podcast wikidly smart yes. women you know what I mean? like okay we're coming <laughs> yep. out we're coming out so let's talk about then how you feel that your experience as a female has been channeled into your writing and maybe what your intent is is it the intent when you channel this into your writing for it to be cathartic for you for others let's talk a little bit about your intent when you are expressing yourself in this way mm. yes it's oh my goodness my intent these days is like I'm not on the barricades anymore the way I was when I was, you know, in my 20s, or at least rarely. These days I tend to focus on writing about and teaching about like what we can do, given that this is our world, given that this is how we are raised. What can we do with it? Like we have this to work with. What can we do with it? Like when I teach in The Creative Doer, for instance, which is the name of my book, but also the course and community that I host, like one of the first things that we do is not, we don't go straight to planning the creative project or working with the procrastination or whatever, and those questions that most people come into this work with. But one of the first things that we do is look at that conditioning, that programming, I call it to, to untangle ourselves from the patriarchal fuckery that, that, we, <laughs> that we are so deeply affected and shaped by. It's all of us are. I mean, the patriarchy isn't men. It's all of us. It's in all of us. We all uphold it and women are disproportionately affected by it in a negative way. But it lives in us as well. And in order to find our own expression, trust it, trust our voice, find ways to feel safe enough to use it and so on, we must first like create some space inside mm. and then find some safe space outside as well to practice and 
But, you know, it's a step-by-step process. And the inner work, understanding that there is some unlearning to do here. That's everything. If you go into the work and you don't do that, right, you are very unlikely to get very far. Or right. you will be, you know, sort of, you'll have to contort yourself in the process. Yeah. I call that pretzeling. <laughs> Yes, I, I've spent word. my I've spent my whole life pretzeling, and yeah. and the last twenty years I've spent unpretzeling myself, and I'm still in that process. All right, Anna, we're already at the break. It happens so quickly, but yeah. when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about where people can find out more about you, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about your book and your work. But right now, wickedly smart women, we could use your help if you are enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air. Please consider making a donation at www www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I do want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are now at 95 countries. And last week, I noticed that we were ranking in three different categories in the Bahamas, which is our latest country to come on board. So not only did we add the Bahamas as a country, but the show ranked in three different categories in the Bahamas. What a way to get on the boards, Bahamas. So shout out to all of our listeners in the Bahamas, as well as our listeners in Sweden. We might as well shout out to our listeners in Sweden and our listeners in Belgium. And we will be right back with Anna Lovin. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Anna Lovind. You can find out more about Anna and her book, The Creative Doer, A Brave Woman's Guide from Dreaming to Doing at AnnaLovind.com. We will have that uh, link for you in the show notes. Uh, she also has an Instagram and you can get that at her website. So Anna, before we went to the break, we were talking about, you know, this whole idea of feminism and untangling from the patriarchal fuckery. I love that phrase. That was so good. And one of the things that I've heard throughout this conversation is this idea of there's, there's two ideas. One idea is this idea of safety, which is intimately, I think, tied to this idea of being creative. Because when I'm listening to you, I'm hearing between the lines that we actually require our creative energy, our creative power, which is tangled up 
in this patriarchal fuckery, right? We actually require the energy that's in that entanglement to be liberated in order to then be able to create safety. But how do we liberate our energy when we're not feeling safe. It's kind of like this weird chicken and egg thing. Mm -hmm. So could you Mm -hmm. speak a little bit about this idea of how these three things kind of go together, this idea of a safe space, this idea of utilizing our creativity to see what we can do with what we have, but also this idea of deconditioning ourselves from the deep, long, heavy, you know, millennium long framework that needs to be dismantled. Yeah. Yes. So the untangling, like you said, like you're, you're still unpressling. <laughs> it's a lifelong process. It's not like I say we start the work there, but that work goes on. And it's not something that we need to finish in order to move on to actually creating, but it needs to be started because I think the important part is when you recognize that some of that voice inside, some of that constant critique, some of that, that language that puts you down. Self-abuse. <laughs> yeah. Specifically often aimed at you because you're a woman that when you understand that that is actually not yours, it comes from somewhere. You've taken it on in innocence. Just that realization creates safety inside. Okay, it's not me abusing myself here. This comes from somewhere. And the me that is being abused, I can be aware of that. I can choose to protect that. I can choose to create boundaries around what kind of language I allow inside myself and so on. It's a gradual process and it it sort of feeds into each other. You start to create that awareness inside and that awareness creates more space. A sense of kindness, I think, that you are befriending yourself rather than always abusing or pushing or punishing yourself for all your shortcomings and faults. And, and starting to befriend yourself, that creates a whole new space for you. Mm. And that is the inner space that you need in order to start paying attention to, you know, that inner longing, the call, whatever it is that wants to be expressed through you. You need to be able to respond to it. And, and to do that, you need to be able to listen. And you also need some space mm. in which to listen. And then that also reflects on your outside, like in in your life? Is Mm. there safety there? Is there space for you to be who you are? Is there space for your voice? Are you being heard? Mm. And for many women, the answer to most of those questions is no. Mm. Which is why I, that inner work, that untangling, that is a huge part of the work. Another huge part is community. Mm. To find any kind of community, and this could be you and your writing buddy, or you or your and your best friend, or it could be a paid course or any kind of space or arena where like-minded people meet and where you can start to take some baby steps and practice that voice and so on. Because 
I know that we encourage, like the narrative around creativity is so much about boldness. It's so much about taking the big leap, just do it, face your fear. Everything is on the other side of your comfort zone and so on. But actually, that's not helpful. Mm. For most of us, that's not helpful, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're traumatized, mm. especially if you come with all this conditioning. You actually need to allow yourself to take baby steps and you need to do that in a safe environment or relatively safe mm. in a container where you can try and fail and, and face all those fears that are bound to arise before you step out into a wider arena where you might face some backlash or, or other people's judgment and opinions and so on. And you, you need to have sort of grown a, a bit of muscle before then. Mm. Well, what I loved about that is a few things. First of all, you're saying the word practice again, which is really, I think, a powerful tool that we can offer to our listeners to remember it's this this is a practice like yeah. it's a practice an ongoing practice of dismantling the patriarchy yeah. within us an ongoing practice of deconditioning ourselves and you know it's interesting especially if you've come from a dysfunctional family or any kind of background where there has been physical trauma sexual trauma emotional trauma mental trauma you know this whole idea of just push through and be bold and get out of your comfort zone. It took me a while, but I finally got clear that actually being comfortable was outside of my comfort zone. You know what I mean? Because I had spent so much of my life in a state of fight, flight, freeze, or I learned this new one, fawn. And fawning mm -hmm. is the behavior of, you know, sucking up to somebody else, which is really a trauma response. And so, so for me, it was about recognizing that actually being comfortable was outside of my comfort zone. So, all right, well, we've got a few minutes left. What I want to do in the last few minutes, Anna, is I'd love to have you speak either about your book, if there's something specific about your book you'd like our listeners to know about, or about the work that you do. If there's a, a client story you want to tell or a specific piece of your teaching that you would like to make sure that our listeners hear in the last few minutes that we have, that would be great. Mm. Well, one thing that I do, I, I write about this in the book and I also teach it always because it's part of feminist practice for sure. And it's also a necessary part of the creative practice, the way I see it. And it's that it, we make sure that it is an embodied practice mm. that we are in our work and in the way we do it, in the way we take care of ourselves and fuel our work, that we recognize that we are humans and we come with a human body and that that body is like where we plant the seeds. It's, it's where we find the energy to do the work. It's where we see the wisdom reflected, the wisdom of cyclical living all of that, it's, again, so much of the teachings and the stories and the narratives around creativity, it circles around the brilliance of the mind, which I celebrate in every way. Like we talked about before, it's, a, it's an important thing for women to be allowed to shine as, as brightly as they can and want to. And there is a disconnect here uh, somewhere around the throat area. 
And that is keeping us limited in our creative expression. Like we've been talking about trauma here and, and abuse in childhood and so on. And if I am, for instance, if I want to talk about, write about, advocate about these issues, I need to be able to actually get in there. These mm. things happen to my human body. Mm. I need to get in there, in the belly, in the pelvis, in the blood and grit and gut, everything. There needs to be a connection in order for me to express these things in a truthful way. Otherwise, it's just like elegantly string together sentences. That's nice, but it doesn't hold power. Mm. If we want our creative work to hold true power, we need to be grounded in our bodies when we do it. That is yet another thing that we aren't encouraged to as women we are encouraged to be at war with our bodies, to always like try to control it, criticize it, shape it, shrink it above all. Mm. <laughs> and this work requires us to actually be in it and to own it and to understand how to work with it and channel the power that is present here. Mm. That in itself is sort of a revolutionary act as a woman in this world and it's something that is often overlooked so it's it's definitely one of the key pieces of my teachings along with you know the untangling and, and the community part and so on also get down into the body that's mm -hmm. where the magic happens beautiful get down into the body ladies that is where the magic happens and it's also you know, I think where, as you said, the power lives, I know the difference for me when I'm writing where I'm more, it's more like reporting, like I'm this outsider reporting on the experiences I've had versus when I'm writing and I am actually processing something because the, that writing moves me and I feel that movement coming up and through my body. And so there's, there's for me, for sure, definitely a difference. All right, Anna. Well, it has been a huge pleasure having you here today. And I really do hope our listeners get some depth in this interview and really feel in the body, the transmissions that Anna is intending to deliver to you. So listeners, we love feedback. Definitely let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.